Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the next episode on Hunting for Purpose in our mini series. If you missed last week, you probably want to head on back and listen to the first episode. The adorable Vanessa Henry and I are chatting through all four variables in the human design chart. And this is episode two, where we are talking about your environment variable. If you don't know what variables are, we are looking at the four arrows that sit on your chart and there are numbers and symbols underneath those. You're definitely going to want to run your chart through genetic matrix because that is going to give you all of the information that you need. Uh, For those who don't know, Vanessa Henry is certainly, I believe, the leading voice on variable in the human design space. She's she's all like... Having a little moment over there. Like, oh, what? oh my God. I get so embarrassed. Yeah. Vanessa is a 6 2 ego manifester, an incredible example of a manifester, and certainly a person with a, a wealth of uh, deep information and, and very integrated knowledge on the variable. So I'm stoked. I'm stoked to have Vanessa on the podcast for the month of March and, and go through all of this. I've I feel like you guys are getting just the most valuable stuff for free, if I'm really honest. (laughs) You mean you're getting a whole teaching on the variable on a free podcast? What? So, Well, we're not getting the whole teaching, but we are looking at it. We're evaluating it. We're falling in love with it. We're doing all the things. And we're now at the environment variable, which in my opinion is the most fun to play with. I love it. Now, I say that with a little bit of... Okay. You like it too. Cause I was like, maybe I'm biased because I'm three parts left and my one right variable is my environment. So I thought, oh, maybe I'm just hyper-focused on that for that reason. But no, everybody likes this. Everybody likes this one. Yeah, I think people this is often where we go learn... for environment first, right? This is usually where they dig first. I hope so. Cause I, yeah. I push that one like crazy. That's mm. all my free content online is that, 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 that. Cause I think that's where you should begin experimenting if you actually want to make changes in your health, because we know through the determination variable, there's nothing available for us to eat yet if we have not first assessed and aligned our environment. So when you start learning and playing in this area, environment's going to become important really quick Mm. because there's nothing available to be fed by and nourished by if we're not in a supportive space, if we're not in an aligned space. You know, if you've got that family always breathing down your neck or berating you or discouraging you, what do you think is going to happen inside your body? You Uh, know? um... So when we're looking... When we're looking at the environment variable, we're suddenly talking about something that is outside the body. We're no longer looking at something inside the body. 
we're talking about what surrounds the body. And a really simple way to understand this is to think about a plant. And we right away buy a plant and we know it's going to need a certain kind of sunlight, a certain kind of water, perhaps certain kind of soil. And if we place that plant in an environment where that's not available to it, we're kind of always turning the plant or we're always trying to kind of figure it out and get it set so it can be healthy and well. And if it doesn't get what it needs enough, it wilts, it dies. And I do feel that this is what happens to humanity as well. I do feel this is how we can kind of get some of these illnesses that enter through the energetic field of the body. We don't deal with it. We don't know how to recognize what's happening. And the way my perspective is around this is just, and somebody who is a cancer survivor and reads a lot of uh, cancer charts or people who have had tumor development, tumors tend to develop in undefined centers. Mm -hmm. They can develop in defined centers, but they typically skew more benign. And I've been really wondering about that. What is happening that we can see that so localized in certain centers that tumor development grows there? For myself, I have an undefined G center. That's the place where my whole tumor was, my entire chest cavity. My dad, who had skin cancer, began with a mole on his head, totally open head, spread through his body and spread through all his undefined centers until he ultimately passed away. Mm. That is what got me into variable Mm. because I thought that was very weird that I was seeing that. And as I got to variable, I started to learn about things like illness can happen in the fully formed part of the body, but also the formless part of the body. And it made me wonder about my dad's life. He passed away on the roof. Mm. I later learned a lot of stories about his family and stuff coming out that was I was not privy to that information as a kid. And it made me wonder, what was he actually dealing with? What thoughts were in his head that he didn't know how to deal with? And how did that manifest in his body? So... From my personal story of being somebody who grew up surrounded by cancer, I was really affected by that. Mm. And I grew up in environments with sick kids and witnessed a lot of tragic childhood deaths. In my year of diagnosis, all the kids in that year died. I was the only survivor that year. I was very affected by that. You start to lose faith in things when you are looking at kids die. Because what the fuck are they fighting for? Like they don't, he's so young. He doesn't even know what he's fighting for. You know, it it created a huge anger in me, Mm. huge anger, a venom, to be honest. And I knew that that was going to make me sick again if I didn't deal with that. And ultimately losing my dad, I think did create a venom that I do think manifested into illness, heartbreak. Um, My cancer metastasized to my heart and that's when we found it. So they said my tumor is probably growing for my entire high school experience And for perspective, my dad died at 11 when I was 11. So they think my tumor started growing around 12 and we found it at 16. And my symptom was itchy feet. That was my primary symptom. Now I'm somebody who has a touch sense in their environment, which means in certain spaces, my skin can be somewhat special and it can kind of come alive. We have a cognition in our determination variable. It's like a superpower, but you also have another one that a lot of people don't realize. And that's your environment sense, your outer ability. And when I look back and I see how itchy my skin got and the signs, my skin was trying to send me and get my attention that I was dying. It's really peculiar to me, you know, really strange to me. Yeah. And when we think about things like cancer and we think about things like illness, we, we often think environmental, we hear that a lot. And we're we're talking about the environment variable and we hear environmental when we, we hear illness And so our brains think about things like pesticides. Yeah, carcinogens, yeah. 
Totally. And we don't realize that people could be carcinogens. We don't realize that we can um, co-dysregulate with people Mm -hmm. um, or that we accepted a job that we never wanted to do, but our parents wanted us to do that. And in fact, our parents paid for our whole education and, oh, now there's this huge sense of guilt and I got to do this. And I wake up and I'm in my forties and I'm miserable Mm -hmm. and I have taken all these supplements and all these pills and I don't feel good in my body. Well, what's going on in your environment? So, so learning your environment color is the thing that we hear like caves, markets, kitchens, mountains, valleys, shores. That's the fun language we're playing with in here. And not in, you'll notice in the determination variable, we get really heavy on the binary sound, high sound, um, taste, open taste, thirst, hot thirst. It's not so intense in environment. You know, we can be shores selective, or excuse me, we can be shores natural or shores artificial or cave selective or or caves blending, but we typically hear caves, shores. And and I like that. I like to encourage people to stay playing with that. But when you're looking at your environment, understand you're not just looking at the way the city that you live in, you know? You're looking at the way you hold your body in time and space. You're looking at the relationships you engage with. You're looking at the wider surroundings of your country, of your province or state or city. You know, you are also looking at your house. You're also looking at the very room you're sitting in. So you're really called to contemplate the way you experience external reality. Yeah. And what kind of sunlight, soil and water do you need to be planted in? Like the plant, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. what has been your experience as being a shores person and playing with that? You know, like I think initially, like most people as a shores person, I, I started off with that, okay, it's it's about water. It's about water. Yeah, and yeah. that did I not. I got to live on the beach. Yeah, right? that oh, did not yeah, land. That did not mm-hmm. land for me at all because I hate the beach. I actually hate the beach. <laughs> I don't. I choose not to have beach holidays as a general rule because the uh, the beach feels kind of messy to me, kind of chaotic to me. I don't enjoy the rhythm of the ocean and the feeling of the sand. And it's, it doesn't, it doesn't land for me. So I, I started trying to push myself into, well, what other bodies of water am am I looking at here? Really where it started to feel correct for me was I do have a resonance with things like hot showers and hot Mm -hmm. baths, places where I feel like my body. I love that you're pointing at it. It goes together, by the way. Right? I love this. Yeah, it all it all comes in. It's these places where I actually feel like there is an impact to my inner world from that external water at first, right? Um, I feel like being in a hot shower completely changes my ability to listen to my splenic voice. Totally changes it. I can hear my spleen very, very clearly in the shower. Um, shower is a holy place for a shores person. Man, really shores is. people get downloads in their shower. All the yeah. time. Sometimes it's exhausting, actually. I just yeah. want to get in there and wash my hair. I'm like, I'm not here I'm for a spiritual here to experience. wash my butt. Yeah, <laughs> oh, please. this whole download. <laughs> <laughs> what I moved into then was really starting to look at um, the shore's ability to look between environments, right? Where we start to change that perspective. Like, where does one thing merge into another? that's where it started to land for me, right? Because yeah, I yeah, yeah. I could definitely look back and see, you know, in workplaces, in houses that I had lived in, in the way that my bedroom was set up, my office, all of those things, if I was in a space where I couldn't see the transition of an environment, I would suffocate. 
And I would mm. start, I would start to feel very depleted, very low. I would get sick. Um, you know, my history is in autoimmune disease. It would trigger right. symptoms of my autoimmune disease. Um, and now that's firstly, I mean, I I really take that into account just in my daily life. Always, I'm always moving between totally. different rooms now. Whereas before I thought I had to be very steady and very stable, like pick a good place, make it nice and stay there. What I've Perhaps noticed- Perhaps you could evaluate that then. Yeah. Like, yeah. like if you, okay, you had some autoimmune things going on. I would love to hear about the time in your life, what was going on in the, in mm. the, in the life. And mm. that was really flared up for you. Story time. Let's go back. I yeah. love listening to your story time about your cancer. Can I also just okay? Thanks, because I was, was like, really I've been talking awesome. a long time. <laughs> no, I loved it. I was, I was just enraptured in the whole, and I've heard that story like fifteen times. I still love it. Oh, sorry, you're so, so kind. God, it's I so on, good. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so uh, I developed a an autoimmune disease. It's called autoimmune hepatitis. It's a, a just a very rare disease of the liver. Essentially, it's an immune disorder where the immune system starts fighting the liver cells as though they are invading cells. So my immune system was starting to attack my liver and kill it. Um, at 14, I just went suddenly. I went very suddenly, very quickly into liver failure. It was over a process of about two weeks. I remember the feeling of of just kind of progressively dying. I remember saying to myself, like the feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like this is not normal. Something's I'm really, not, something's not really right. wrong with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a long time to diagnose because it's a very unusual disease. At that point I was 14. What was really interesting though was that I had had a major illness episode at 10 and I'd been in the um, intensive care unit for 10 days with a severe case of uh, glandular fever and hepatitis A and B, so viral hepatitis, which at the time, medically speaking, sort of came from nowhere. That damaged my liver, which they believe later presented at 14 Mm. with the autoimmune hepatitis. However, to me, I I was acutely aware of why I became sick at 10. And it's because I was experiencing tremendous abuse at home. I went mm. through I went through sexual abuse daily for years and years. Um, and that commenced at about eight and a half. And then at 10, I got sick. That also occurred at the time that I told my parents about the abuse. And my parents said, we don't believe you. Then I became very sick. And then that later presented itself as a liver. We don't believe you. We don't believe you. We don't believe you. <laughs> I mean, that's, sorry, that's how you were. I'm sorry. That's how you Thank were you. met with that. Thank you. That's, that's extremely, that's whole story. Um, it's extremely inhumane. So I'm sorry it that is. happened to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for recognizing my trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like looking, looking back at that theme, I mean, as a splenic authority, when we look at this physiologically, right? The splenic line is hepatic. So it runs through your gallbladder, spleen, liver, and pancreas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all about safety. Being a a defined spleen is all about your experience of safety. I went through tremendously traumatic experiences, losing safety, seeking safety, and then not receiving that from the people who should have given it to me. So unsurprisingly, those areas of my body went into an inflammatory process. 
I notice you've also got a smell tonal resonance in your environment. And the, the first tone is the most primitive tone. It's safety, yeah. you know, yes. instinct, safe. Am I safe in this environment? Yes. And something that stood out right away to me was when you said liver, because I, I follow a lot of, um, I really like Louise Hay. I've only mm-hmm. just since discovered that some people were like, don't like her. And I'm like, that's too bad. <laughs> She's a, divisive. Um, she a bit divisive. She is a bit divisive. Oh yeah. You know, she's Aussie. People have, uh, people have opinions. Oh, mm. she's Australian. That's mm-hmm. fun. Well, I, I will put it on, a, put on a statement. I really like this. I really like her books. I really like the way that she um, self inquires around the body. And one of the, the big ones that's standing out here is liver holds anger. It does. And delivers um, a big, um, well, thing to think about, I think for all manifestors, just knowing that that connects the liver connects to, to rage. Mm -hmm. And then seeing that you need to have these safe environments that are still shores, you know, and, and, oh gosh, Holly, go with me for a second here and take (laughs) on a little journey because. All right, let's roll. Yep. You know, a shores body, um, is the most evolved body. It's a water body. Mm -hmm. Then we don't have to think about being in water, but we're water bodies and it's a lot for us to be alive in the density of reality. And sometimes when you submerge a shore's body in water, whether that's a bath or swimming or whatever, the change in density can be quite nourishing because it's a lot to be alive. Mm -hmm. Aliveness and being manifested in a form in this dense reality when you have a body as evolved as a shore's body can just be a lot. Now put that on a child who now has this undertone of really needing this safety in this in the environment and will have these keen instincts of knowing when things are safe or not safe for them. Now she has a manifestor aura that people don't understand and want to control and want to contort and want to punish all because we do not know how to be aware of her. Now we are contorting her physical and spiritual form, her fully formed self and her formless self in such a way it's now manifesting as illness in the body. I completely think this is because you were not held in safety in your Mm -hmm. home when you said this, and therefore we're not given the tools on how to properly process what happened to you. And so your body is then hanging on to whatever is going on. We see this with defined spleen sometimes too. All of a sudden it's boom, chronic, 14 days, poof. Like, you know, it's like this big dramatic thing with undefined spleens. It's like, I don't feel good for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a little bit different kind of process. So when I'm just like looking at this and thinking about this, It's like, how mad was that little kid Mm -hmm. in her not self that this was happening, that her safe people that she should go to are not hearing her. I could imagine you're going to have to unpack this through your whole life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fact that there was such extreme trauma that wasn't held and respected, it had nowhere to go. It stayed in the form. Mm -hmm. You know, it was never released. It was never processed. It never exited the form. It was held in there. This, I think, is a lot of the reason with weight gain and things like this. But that's why I try to de-emphasize releasing weight or putting on weight because there's some chronic things that can go on. And when we aren't dealing with our shit and we're not in these spaces that to hear us when we have to cry or get these traumas out or be held by our parents, for goodness sakes, so many people come into human design with so much rage and blame toward their parents, which is a Mm. whole other thing. Um, But that, what do you, what do we think is going to happen to us? What do we really think? Do we really think we're going to be well? Yeah. No. Come on, we're kidding ourselves. And it makes me then think about how much is going on in our life in that capacity that is really contributing to our body's health. You know, that is, and, and one of the classic things I say is like when your parent is is hard on you and breathing down your neck or hard in your ear or whatever it is, that's going to affect each of us differently depending on our design. 
But when we don't have the very safety of those people and we first learn it's not safe out there, that body is never going to be able to fully pull the nutrients it needs. It's never going to be able to be unwell. The body is not set up to be nourished. You're not going to deal with anything until you deal with the environment variable. Mm -hmm. For me, um, I too was a child who was traumatized sexually Mm, um, around age seven. And it too only came out when my dad died. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really understand what happened. Mm-hmm. And then we started learning about it in school and like, this shouldn't happen. If this happens to you, do this. But the way it was presented, like, I was like, oh, it already happened to me. So if it happens next time, I'll do this. Like, that's how I kind of processed mm-hmm. that. So when my dad died, I felt like really not safe. Like losing the dad felt like who's going to protect us. Ah, I felt really unsafe. And it, then I just blurted that out to my mom. Like this also happened. And I remember I was in my room and I was freaking out. And I was throwing pillows. Like I'm feeling everything because this also happened. And I didn't know. And my mom didn't know what to do with that. She's just in the grief of her husband dying. She, I remember her just looking at me and she was just a shell of a woman at this yeah. point. And she just walked out of the room and closed the door. And of course it came out again when I was 16. So when I was 16, I was getting ready for like all the grad, the graduation things that were going on. I was, I was someone's date and I went for a massage and the masseur was my abuser and I'm laying on the bed and I've already stripped and he's come in and he's massaging me. And I had too much pride to like do anything about it. And I was so scared. And I just sat with my face in there watching my tears fall in his shoes at this point, I'm already sick with cancer and I don't know. Mm. And a couple of days later, I go to like the grad with everybody. And the next morning I'm called into emergency. We can't figure out how you're alive. You shouldn't be breathing based on this tumor development. And and they had, um, I had had a, uh, had a x-ray done that got lost for a year and they couldn't track me. I know it's a whole thing. What? They finally got a hold of me. The medical system finally contacted my mom and that's where like, get her to emergency now. And because a year has passed. And when you see this x-ray, it's like a giant tumor. So I wonder about what I wasn't dealing with, um, didn't know how to deal with. I think that did create a little bit of rot inside me. But Mm -hmm. once my dad died, the family household broke. Like my mom was never the same. Yeah. My sister was never the same. I was never the same. We were never the same. And I remember focusing on my dad and like just obsessively watching him, like with all this leftness that I have and he's losing his mind. And I remember like, what is he thinking? Like, what is he afraid? What is going through his head? Obsessively asking these questions. And I do feel on some level that that was part of my own manifestation of my own cancer of wanting to understand him and especially my tumor grew in my G center, the love center. And I had such a heartbreak of his death. And once the tumor metastasized to my heart, my authority, we found it. We figured out what was going on. I went through all these treatment. Um, But there was this, this is sorry, there's a whole other thing that went on with this. Um, I lost the relationship with my dad's side, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a shoresy thing. And I didn't know how I felt about that side of the family and it became estranged and we weren't treated the same when he died. And then once I got sick, I was like, well, none of y'all are coming to see me. And I put up crazy big boundaries. Um, And it just created these divides 
honestly, among, among family members, a lot of my family lost their faith around then, you know, I had been raised Catholic really begrudgingly, but my mom was, was Catholic. My dad was an atheist. And when he passed away, she was like, okay, the church, like I need something, you know, and dragged me into that. And I was like, don't fucking drag me here. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. This is not for me. And so there was all these things of my mom trying to bring safety and to make us feel, and it was just, none of it was working for me. It just, <clears throat> it just kept creating this, not that she was doing anything wrong. But I just developed such an anger, such an unprocessed anger. And what I've come to learn is for so many manifestors beneath so much of their anger is grief. Yeah. And unprocessed grief, which builds to this napalm of anger, which then really affects the body. And I think we're vulnerable for that. I think we're very vulnerable to getting physically ill because we don't necessarily know how to deal with our anger. And it can just manifest into these really dangerous, in my opinion, things. Agreed. Agreed. And I know that the, thank you for sharing that story, by the way, I really appreciate that. Um, I know that the environment is often spoken about in human design spaces as, as far more of this, um, it's kind of jovial, right? It's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice. Like this is your environment or you're a mountains person or you're a valleys person and like get yourself in that environment and you're going to feel just really, really good as though that is like a, just a daily self-care thing. Right, right, right. The way that I have received environment in my journey is so much more profound. To me, there is an intrinsic link between trauma and environment, between right, health and mm-hmm. environment. And I even find, you know, now I've done a, I've done a lot of, trauma work a lot a lot and I will for the rest of my life I will for the rest of my life be doing trauma work like most people who have had chronic trauma um and I find now that one of the ways I love to play with my environment is to when I'm experiencing a lot of grief which is a very difficult emotion for me to feel if I change my environment dramatically so if I actually go out of town if I go to a completely different place perfect for you right that mm-hmm. relieves the weight of that grief. Yes. And I feel yep. like I can begin to process it. I can breathe yep. through it. But interestingly, the change in environment is a trauma trigger for me. Yes. And so my nervous system will start to go into a, a dorsal state, like a shutdown state where my digestion slows down. I get very fatigued. And so I'm, you know, I'm unraveling. I'm starting to unravel all of that. But I think Moving it's Moving important- your body though across the globe, like that is a trauma. Like it's it it's fun to travel. Like, don't get me wrong. But yep. you you when you really just think about what you're doing to your body, mm-hmm. it's a lot for the body. And it is harder for some bodies than others. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's just it's worth pointing out that even even doing things that are an ideal environment for you, because of this connection between trauma and environment, your body can have some kind of response. Can to feel that. some kind of way. Yeah. It can even just being in the most ideal place. So it goes, it goes beyond, you know, being, being a kitchens person and, you know, being, being in that lab, being in the center of the home, being a shores person, and, you know, being around water. It's so much more than that. But I, I feel what environment really gives us access to is the ability to genuinely heal at profoundly yeah. deep intrinsic levels. Like this is the foundation yeah, of human existence. To me, you just got to be willing to put in the work to do that. And there is something to understand about this. When you start to look at variable, you might have heard the language of transference. 
Transference is really something that exists on the personality side, the formless side, but you do want to recognize that there are some parallels in the body, even though it doesn't affect the body in the same way because the body's fully formed. But just for example, if we look at a mountains person, these are real, these people are different. Like they're really here for a whole different thing. They think about things differently. They're here for these elevated lifestyles that are kind of above it all. But when a mountains person feels unsafe or dysregulated, you'll find they go to the cave, you know, and they'll go hide away because they don't feel like they can do whatever they're, whatever they want to actually do, which is maybe a different than everybody else or whatever it is. And they just, they hide. And so you can, if you just know that, like if I know I'm a shores person and I know that I'm drawn to whatever I'm drawn to, it, it's great to know that I will also sometimes be pulled into the kitchen. But it's not necessarily what's healthiest for me. So how might I recognize when I start to be drawn to the kitchen? Perhaps there's something I need to evaluate that's going on in my life. You know, so these just become these fun markers in reality that you get to move through just to be more aware of yourself and your wellness. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Removing it, removing it from that black and white language of yeah. Transference is bad. Shadow it's is not. bad. Conditioning is bad. It's all it's awareness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. all all awareness. And I don't think that as humans, we can ever, ever have an experience where we are perfectly in alignment in every single space and then remain there. I think that's one of those illusions well, that we take. This on is the thing. You can't remain there. Like you're not like we have dependent variables and independent variables. And the independent variables are perspective in our environment. The outer world is changing. You know, mm-hmm. we're not in control of that. This place that I'm sitting in right now might be absolutely amazing. But then if there's a fire that starts in this room, do you know what I mean? Or there's a storm that comes and breaks my house down, like this room has changed. Or yeah. if I was assaulted in this room, this room has changed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we're not in control always of what's happening around us, but we have to be, we have to increase our awareness of how to recognize when we vibe with it and when those vibes have changed. Mm. I just had a thought. What is your, what's your opinion on this whole link between external environment and the universe, connection to the divine source, whatever, whatever label we want to put on that, right? This experience that we have as humans where we are, energetically prompted into growth through a trigger. Usually it comes through a trigger. What role do you feel that maybe like the universe, I'm doing that in air quotes, so insert whatever word works for you, but what role does the universe play in perhaps using your environment to bring that to you? Meaning, let me back that up a little bit. So if you, you know, as a a Shores person, let's say I'm in an absolutely perfect environment right? I've got my ideal environment sorted. I'm like looking out the window. I can see the transition. I'm at the edge of a city. I'm around water. I'm whatever I I am. I'm great. Mm -hmm. And then somebody enters that environment. Let's say it's my, right. Right. right? Yeah. Like let's say it's my, my, yeah. Like my abuser Mm -hmm. walks in to that Mm -hmm. environment and I'm immediately triggered into the choice of a process to grow. Why was I triggered? What does that mean to me? How do I, how do I grow through that? What's your take on, you know, whether that's kind of a divine thing or is that, I don't know, is that just part of the messiness of life? This is a I don't know. wider concept. Yeah, I don't know why I'm being asked to speak about this lately. I usually really stay away from any kind of conversation around God or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And lately I'm being called in this conversation. I'm like, oh, no, what is <laughs> happening? So why? I think. 
know, we're going to go for it, but I think I, I would like to just share my philosophies. I don't see this the same as most people. And that's why I typically don't talk about it. Um, my concept of the universe and God is a little bit inverted from some of the stories that I was told when I was young. I don't really subscribe to a man in the sky, that type of, you know, higher power or just trust in, in the higher power, even though it's very beautiful. And that's actually very for some people and very necessary for some people. I sort of perceive earth as both heaven and hell. And I am the evolution of God. Humanity is the next phase of Godness. What is more empowering and uplifting than to say to someone, you're human, but you're human. There's nothing more forgiving. There's nothing more expansive. There's nothing better, in my opinion. And when I come to earth, I can make manifest anything on this earth with that evolution of Godness, mm. that God form. And I've lived in hell on earth and I've lived in heaven and I know both places exist here. And when I look out at space, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's a black nothingness. And we think we leave and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We, we don't think that this is the place we come to, to have that incredible experience, the experience of aliveness, the experience of embodied godship, of mm-hmm. embodied God form. So I think we have a lot of power. And I think one of the biggest problems is that we hugely disrespect humanity. But in my world, there's nothing more beautiful, nothing more forgiving, nothing more holy than humanity. It's the evolution. And I could see how, you know, interpreting my design and seeing that coming from an ego being would be like, that is the most egotistical thing. And, and, and yet I challenged that. Why? Why, why is that so egotistical? In my world, my creator is my mother and my father. And I realized I was a creator when I gave birth to my son. So I don't know about you, but I thought it was a pretty fucking shamanic experience to split in two and give birth to a human being and not die. It was. Yeah. So don't tell me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, who I am and how special I am or, or what my form is or what humanity is. So in my world, um, this is the whole place. This is the whole paradise. We are not fully aware of, of that we can do anything here. We're not fully aware of our super abilities, our supernatural abilities. We're not fully aware of our humanness and our humanity. And we still want someone to come save us. We're still blaming mom and dad for all the problems and that we're never going to escape that, you know, until we realize we are the evolution of God. Um so when you ask me about things about like, how does the universe fit into this? And how does, it's kind of tricky for me because I feel like the whole framework of how we understand that needs to somewhat evolve. And mm. I don't know that it has, and I don't know that I'm the one to help do that, but I think there are people out there who are. And once we reshape those concepts, I think it will just naturally become a lot clearer to us how this all works. I love that. I love all of that so much. I I feel like we exist within an, an energetic ecosystem and we're not entirely aware of exactly what the ecosystem is. And I so, agree. Right? Mm. These things that... I love uh, the language of ecosystem too, by mm. the way. I love that language. Mm, me too. Mm. Me too. Mm. I, I think these things that seemingly appear to us as 
uh, unpredictable or or even that they have this sort of mystery of coincidence about them, right? Like, come on. That's not that, a thing. It's not on, a thing. Fall in love with the magic of aliveness. Yes. Coincidences yes. are weird because they're weird and you should be paying attention. Come on. Yes, right? Correct. And so, so my sense is that there's there's almost a mathematics to it that we're just not we're just not fully privy to we're not fully aware of it yet and so when something when you're in that lovely place in your life when you're aligned like I just take it as a manifester right when you're in a place mm-hmm. of peace as a manifester and then yes. something comes into your life to disrupt that peace and we receive that as what the hell like I just I just got myself here. I just got myself to peace and now this thing has come out of nowhere and it's taken away my peace and it's making me grow and it's making me move. That's not unpredictable and that's not coincidental and there were dominoes that were happening before that that led to this moment. I mean, it's just, we don't yeah. see the dominoes. We but I think we can. I think, I think we, we can. can. I think we can become we can once we're just getting healthier, we just become more aware and awareness is the evolution of intelligence, mm. right? What comes after what's beyond intelligence? It's awareness. You know, if all the problems in the world is usually from a lack of awareness, you know, whether that's a whiteness blind spot, whether that's not being aware of things going on in your ecological community, you know what I mean? There's, there's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like you do. You're like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm so here with you. Yeah. I love that conversation. That was a tangent, but that was a really, I know, really but you know what? Tangent. It's connected. It's connected it's because connected. you do, it's, this is, sorry, this is the most Shoresy thing ever to talk about God, <laughs> I guess. Um, it's a great, that's a great example though, because um, what you'll find when you start studying this is you will naturally start to accumulate relationships who have the same environment as you. Yes. Because you resonate. That's what's happening there. You resonate and if you find someone who shares your perspective as well, so you're the same environment color and perspective color, you're really going to get along with those people. You know, you're going to get along, you can get along with anyone, but you're going to vibe with and resonate with your environment. Caves are going to resonate with caves. Markets are going to resonate with markets. Kitchens with kitchens, mountains with mountains, valleys with valleys, shores with shores. And you'll notice as you progress through your human design studies, your relationships, you're going to learn a lot about environment. The people you bond with, they're going to be the same resonance as you. The people you have problems with, they might not have the same resonance as you. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes fun. Yep. You know, you start to, a manifester can always return to their peace. Mm-hmm. You can always return to your peace. Once you have located the seat of the soul inside yourself and you know how to get there, doesn't matter what challenges come into your waking reality, fully formed or formless. You always know how to return to your peace because you know your environment. So environment becomes a huge thing for the manifester to return to that place because when they're dysregulated, when they're freaking out, when they're in that, uh, they know exactly how to regulate through their environment. A shores person might go put their body outside. A caves person might put their back around against the wall. But when you know how to care for your, your form, you'd be surprised how things start to fall into place and how challenges can still go on. And yet they're not as hard. They don't affect you. It's not as, I see this is going on and I'm also okay. I'm okay. I haven't totally lost it, but this is challenging, but I haven't lost my spirits. Mm -hmm. And you really notice that when people keep furthering down into this study, like challenges don't leave you, but the way you move through them is totally different, totally Mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. And you don't move through them traumatically anymore, which we used to, you know, you don't have to move through challenges traumatically when you know what you resonate with. 
Yeah, I think it. I think this area. I mean, all of the variables, but particularly this area of environment gives manifestors an opportunity for ownership. Right? Oh yeah. That we say, I, I don't like the word control, but that's sort of the right vein. It's like I, I get to control how I'm experiencing this. If I can put myself into the environment that is most respectful of my body and most supportive of my body. Yes, huge. Yeah, that gives me an opportunity to really come back to myself, to own my energy, to have more perspective on what is happening within me and outside of me. Um, And and, Holly, I I want to hear about something from you, though, about relationships, because- Through my roof process, mm. which is, you know, not manifestor specific, but I want it from a manifestor lens, if you don't mind. Please. Um, I had to really come to terms with, I'm in a lot of unhealthy relationships and I'm contributing to the lack of health in that relationship because I'm enabling whatever's going on. And there was this big grief moment where I realized there's so many relationships I'm in that are really not okay, that are really built on toxic foundational things. And I, I I hate to admit it, but often those there's a lot that were irreparable, and there were a lot that really did just have to be. I had to be the the manifester to initiate the break. I had to be the one to be like, this is not okay with me. I will not continue forward. And sometimes I wasn't even that freaking poetic. Sometimes it would be close the door, you never see me again. And 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 people are going to feel some kind of way about that. But as soon as you take accountability for your role in the relationship. As the manifester, it's got to come from you, you Mm -hmm. know, and it kind of is a responsibility, Mm -hmm. but it can also be a beautiful healing power. So what's your experience with when you recognize shit, this relationship isn't healthy. And now I'm seeing that I consume this. This is the basis of my reality. And I'm seeing that something is unwell. What do you do or what have you done? I mean, I've done it in a lot of different ways, some, yeah. some healthy, some unhealthy. I think for me, the the foundational core of being a manifester in any, any relationship in your life, and of, of course, this becomes more heightened in our more intimate relationships, but this is how we relate to, to everyone, is that we need to come into a place of self, self-ownership, kind of that reclamation of self in a very sovereign way as I am the initiator. Whether I want to be or not, my energy is the initiating energy. And I set the timing. Correct. And so mm-hmm. sometimes that means if we are not being conscious with our initiating energy, we are contributing things like trauma patterns, right? Totally. Limiting totally. beliefs. Right. Like, we are initiating we can energy be a huge we don't mean problem. To be. Absolutely. Yes. We yes. can. And then we don't identify that until we start to receive it back, until we start to get yep. that responsiveness back. Yeah. And then we blame and those people. And it's bingo. like, and then, then, then exactly, we don't know how to look at ourselves. Correct. And, and blame, blame, relationships, blame, blame. Yeah, yeah. All relationships are mirrors. They all are. But yes, as I manifestors, agree. we have this added extra of whatever we do, someone's responding to. So, of course, in our relationships, whatever energy you're in, whatever words you're saying or not saying, whatever emotions you're experiencing, whatever yeah. you're informing or not informing, it's like, felt. It is felt and it is you're, responded You're kidding to. yourself. Yeah, you're kidding yourself if you think it's not felt. You know? Correct. So you might as well just take ownership of how powerful you are and yeah. you might as well just fall in love with that and do something with it. 
100%. And I get, I get a lot of people, you know, asking me about this specifically when it comes to like being the female or, or being in that dating yeah. realm of like, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be the initiator all the time. Like, well, <laughs> pull your pants up. Let's go. Because mm-hmm. you are, you are the initiator. You cannot cease yes. that function. What's, what's interesting to me there is then, oh my God, I, my brain is so weird. I then go, you you don't want to initiate. We yeah. should probably look at that. Probably. I wonder why you don't want to initiate. Yeah. I wonder what happened to you. And then the person starts a getting wound like, on oh, that. yeah, I'd say there's something there we got to look at why you think that you, it's so bad if you're an initiator or what, you know. Correct. Yeah. Or why is that fatiguing you? Are you why? initiating things that you don't want to be initiating? Are you initiating in response to an expectation from another person? Ugh. But Ultimately, yeah. in, in any relationship, I think for a manifestor, we start to experience peace in a relationship when we do stake ourselves as the initiator, right? Okay, I see now I'm contributing this. I see now I'm initiating this reality in this relationship. If I want it to be different, I need to initiate a different tone. You're absolutely I, right. I have to initiate what is within it within my power. Response. Mm-hmm. Correct. And of course, if you initiate that and the other person responds in a way that doesn't work for you, that is further damaging to you, you may need to initiate the end of that yes. relationship. Yeah. Yep. But I I I feel like, you know, and you're very aware this is what I'm journeying through personally at the moment. I'm moving through a space where I'm trying to identify, is there more expansion around that? Are there spaces in relationships where I can initiate? the energy that I need, initiate what I feel I need as a response. And if they don't do that, does it have to mean that I cut that relationship off? Or is there a scope here for, I guess, being slightly more malleable in my own energy, being slightly more like bending as a manifester? I think that as manifestors in relationships, we are, we're very prone, yeah, to just like being rigid and then snapping. And I think that there's a space that I'm investigating for myself of can I bend and how far can I bend and still remain in integrity with my Before own I snap. Yeah. Correct. With my own energy here. So um, it all, it all comes down. It all comes down to that initiating energy. And that's kind of radically confronting when we start doing that. This can be very alienating because we're only ready to make these kinds of changes when we're ready. And you hear that a lot in this area. Like sometimes it's like, I'm a mountains person. So I got to move to the mountain. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not, a, if that sounds inaccessible, it's because it is, yeah. you know, it's not available to you yet. It actually might be something in the future, perhaps whatever the mountain means to you. Um, but not necessarily, you know, and we get just a little bit kind of caught in that. Yeah. I wanted to say something additional about that, but I may have lost my way. It has moved. Lost my way, but it's moved on from energy. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Maybe it will come through in the next episode. Mm-hmm. I've loved mm-hmm. talking about environments. This is the most juicy part. I think it's the most juicy part. However, we are the in the next episode. Favorite, yeah. Yes. In the next episode, oh, we are going to. Oh, I go. Yes. It? Yeah. Go, please. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, you don't need to um, apologize. Oh no. No. <laughs> oh, I know I got it. Okay, okay, we'll go. Um, the manifester, I, I'm listening to your story. I'm I'm trying to hold a lot of space for it, but I want you to know I have a flag. I have a flag up in the story that you're telling <laughs> I know me. You relationship do. I know on. you do. Um, because the manifester can be so manipulated. 
Yes, we because can. Because the manifester really does have you know, your hard external shell is protecting something incredibly soft and incredible, incredibly special on the inside. That's why you have that aura. And I think on some level, a lot of people know that and recognize that. And you'll find a lot of people get into relationships with manifestors. So manifestors do the thing that they want for them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're wielded in these ways and we can be really manipulated. And, And I'm saying this because we can be used. Absolutely. And a conscious fourth line can sometimes be used, Holly. And so just something to be aware of, you know, sometimes the conscious six line is like out of touch or makes people feel out of touch. And sometimes the conscious four feels used or makes people feel used. You know, it can just be these little, these little dichotomy that we kind of play in. So I think it's something to be aware of that in your relationships, something to understand about being a manifester is you have a lot of power, but you very likely have some patterning you're not aware of, of caving to the people around you because it's easier than to always confront or deal with them. And a lot of manifestors have trauma responses of completely shutting down or erupting. And it's kind of either or, you know, they pull away or they shut down, they pull away or they shut down. And as a manifestor, you'll know which one you're kind of prone to. But when you're in relationships with others, we're saying like you're in control and you initiate, but sometimes we're just not aware that that's almost been taken from us. Mm -hmm. And the the relationship has, has been manipulated And uh, a lot of my relationships, I recognized I was doing the manipulating or I was being manipulated and it was hard to look at. And a lot of times the only changes that can be made is through distance. And I I try to talk about that a lot to like brace people as you like get into this study, it is alienating because you do have to confront um, the mistakes of the past Mm. and the things that happened to you that weren't right or weren't fair. And you let slip by and you feel some kind of way about that. The relationships you engage with when you're an aware person allows you to heal all that. And even though I have broken up with certain relationships in the past and do feel sad about that, I've been able to view those people as teachers who showed me what I perhaps needed to learn and can integrate and apply when I'm now making new relationships going forward. But I don't want to be held in the old identity of whatever that that relationship was, which sometimes manifestors want to change and their environment won't let them change. No, you're this, you got to be this way. And it's like, oh, I just want to grow. I just want to. So when you're evaluating your relationships, when you're looking at the environment variable, we really are talking about how you connect with people and who you choose to surround yourself with. It's not just about, I live on a beach because I'm a shores person, but I need relationships around me that take my mind to new places that will grow with me, that will inspire me to go beyond. And if I don't have those types of people around me, they're holding me back in outdated realities, I cannot grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Manipulative control is... I just think it's it's central. It's central to the manifesto experience in relationships. And um, there is so much there historically in our own individual experiences to unravel, but I think it's ancestral as well. I think I we carry yeah, we too. carry the trauma and the weight and the confusion of the ancestry of manifestors who have all had these experiences and said, I don't, I don't know, even with my my earnest, my best attempts, how I ended up being coerced or how I was placed in a position where then I was coercing others. And I, I I know that within myself, that's the very hard thing for me to look at the relationships yeah. where I am manipulatively controlling. You have to accept other that though. People. Anybody yeah. who's like, everyone around me is a narcissist is like, they're a narcissist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to just, you have to be able to self-inquire mm-hmm. and you have to stop blaming your parents. You have to self-inquire. Mm-hmm. You have to forgive, you know? 
Um, you have to get out of that blame um, rat race. It is. I guess. It is. Yeah. And I think you beautifully referenced it before when you spoke about how usually people end up creating relationships with those who have the same environment as them. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I think that's very correct. For me, mm-hmm. expansion does not exist in a relationship unless it's with another Shores person. And that's not to say that I'm I'm rigid about that. Like, I won't be friends with you unless you're a Shores no, person. No, like my partner's right? a caves person and I admire right, like, the cave. But yeah, when yeah. I am going to connect and make new relationships, it I don't have to try. It just no. happens with Shores people. I'm surrounded by that now. Correct. Mm-hmm. For several years, the only relationships that I've developed have been Shores people. And the relationships that tend to be the most struggle for me are those people who are caves. Because to me, yeah. they they feel very uh, like so focused on security and safety that yeah. it almost feels like mediocrity. It feels like limitation, right? And mm-hmm. I cannot exist in that space. I have to it's be It's all you look at it. It's yeah. all you look at it. Like I live with two caves, caves boys, and they just want that cozy nest. You know, yeah. and I'm like, I can give you the coziest, cutest home you ever had. Just make sure we have a view and make sure mom can walk to the beach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I care more about the surrounding area as a shores mm-hmm. person, and they're more about what's available to me inside the actual house. You know, yeah. Yeah. A, a hardscape environment, caves, markets, and kitchens are going to be a little bit more concerned with what's available in the immediate environment and mountains. Um, valleys and shores or landscape environments. They're a little bit more concerned with the surroundings of the space, the neighborhood, the vibe here and, and how it makes us feel. So true. So true. I could, I could just talk about environments for like. Environment will lead into perspective because when we, when we do not through something called link nodes, the environment automatically aligns with our perspective. So if mm-hmm. we can't think or we can't see, where is your body? Put your body in your environment. It could be as simple as your caves, put your back against the wall to create the mental space to see a little bit more clearly. So I think next week we're getting into perspective. We are. Next episode, we are all about perspective, which is good. So we are halfway through the mini series. Um, Definitely, definitely dive into your environment. If you missed the first episode on determination, go back and have a listen to that. You can catch Vanessa Henry at, you're very easy, Vanessa Henry on Instagram I and like your to make website is vanessahenry.com. Um, mm-hmm. I know that at the moment, the really delicious thing that you've got going on is the Wellness Club. Do you want to chat to people a little bit about the Wellness Club? If you are interested in playing with your variable in sort of a spacious approach that allows you to kind of integrate it in your everyday life, I've opened up the Wellness Club as a space for the human design lover to fall in love with their depths, to fall in love with their design, get to know what makes you feel well, get to know how to take care of your body, but also the formless part of you. How can we bring more awareness to what is fully formed within you and what is formless about you and how to respect and care for both those parts? I created the wellness club because I'm somebody who's very focused on variable and my own studies have, you know, accumulated a lot of data and accumulated a lot of things. And I just want to play with people in speaking this language and moving us towards greater stages of health. So the wellness club is a space for that. It's for somebody who is wanting to feel healthier, wanting to learn about their variables, speaks human design, speaks enough human design, knows their body type, uh, their authority, their profile and how their energy centers work. If you've got that you're ready to go look at what's going on with your variable. And I have other little treats available in there. As an ego manifester, I love to plop in little treats, you know, on surprise. So there are other things going on in there, uh, which includes this unlimited access to the frequency bar, which is a frequency healing tool that I am known for. Thank you. I've been doing this for over a decade now. I know, I know. so good. It's so, so good. good. 
Yeah. Very shorzy, I'm realizing. It's, it's very, very shorzy. It's very high sound mm. as well. I created it as a high sound shores person. And they are the frequency bar are musical adventures that you plug into to find meaning inside. Mm. And I give you this sort of mission to do, and you kind of go on this adventure in your mind and you imagine these things and whatever you envisioned. I help you translate and find meaning when you come out. And people are always blown away by their own minds. They're like, did I make this up? I'm like, you did. And let me show you why that's so incredible. You know, so yeah. it's um, it's really a place of empowerment, but it's calling for people who um, are in the human design space and just want to be around that kind of feel good, explorative energy on, on how to take care of themselves. So the wellness club can be found at VanessaHenry.com and I'm accepting new members until April 1st. Mm-hmm. For the equinox, yeah, which yeah. I love. That's just as a side note, that's a really beautiful uh, aligned strategy to observe in a manifester as well on a business front. This awareness of I can't sell all the time. I can't I be can't. actively mm-hmm. in a selling process. I'm a seasonal cyclical being. And so mm-hmm. even with a membership type experience, I'm only going to open that up seasonally. So yeah, actually, I'm not even opening it seasonally. I'm only doing it on the equinoxes. And the reason for that is um, during the solstice seasons, I want to be traveling with my family. You know, my kids in school, he, when it's the holiday season, I want to be traveling with him when he's off school. I want to be traveling with him and spending quality time with him. So I'm designing my life strategically to work with that as I want to be a more present parent. You know, when I get focused, I get focused. And so I want to have these spaces where I'm focusing on my kid and I'm focusing on my family. So I decided for one month, um, kind of around the equinoxes of the year is when the club will open and I'll be accepting members. And then it will close in between those times. And it allows me to kind of make, have my fun and make my tweaks and do my fun thing and then open it again. So it is fun learning about yourself and being in my case, strategic and um, approaching that with through play. Like mm-hmm. what would be the most fun for me? I want to travel with my kids. So I'm going to design it around that. Yes, 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 yes. And trusting that that is correct. Trusting that that is safe, yes. even though it's going completely Trust against the flow, right? But oh, this is God. correct for me. So that's even a thing. Successful. Let's set the flow. We mm-hmm. set the flow, manifestors. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. This is the most manifested thing ever. We set the flow. Don't worry. Just we don't set, worry. Just about the flow. Yeah. <laughs> so just good. Do it feels good. <laughs> Well, of course, everyone, all of the connections to Vanessa and her work and her content are going to be in the show notes. Definitely jump in there. Have a check out of Vanessa if you haven't been around her before. And we are going to be back next week with our third episode in the mini series on variables. We're going to be talking about the perspective variable. So we will catch you then. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifestor Community. Until next time, please, Manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.